The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Robinson. He's the Chief Technology Strategist for Money Map Press. Uh, he puts out a newsletter called Radical Technology Profits and another one called Nova X. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Just give us a little bit of background of your uh, experience in the whole technology uh, investing world. You know, Jordan, I grew up in a high-tech household, and so I kind of come by my fascination with technology pretty uh, honestly, I guess you'd say. Um, I actually got started in technology as a teenager, just not quite as a teenager. I was around 12 years old, oddly enough, messing around with light boxes, and it got me fascinated with sensors and regulators and things like that. So my dad was the senior military editor at Aviation Week and Space Technology. So as a teenager all through college and my adult life, my dad and I have had lots and lots of conversations about the most cutting-edge technology out there in the world. And I really got heavily involved in, in writing about and analyzing technology stocks back in the 80s when I was writing about the Reagan-era Star Wars program. So it's, it's been about 30 years. Spent a lot of time down in Silicon Valley. I was on the advisory board and a senior consultant to a uh, venture capital firm down there, still in operation today. And that's called Sensei Partners, LLC. Let's talk a little bit about the different newsletters that you offer and how they're, they're different. Let's start with, it's called Radical Technology Profits. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Maybe we should just go, if you don't mind, Jonathan, can we go with, let's do it backwards from the okay. that we're sent, because we have one, that, so it's, it's three different ways that we approach this. We have a, a free e-letter online, and Jonathan, that is called Strategic Tech Investor, and the whole idea is to give, inv- you know, our big statement, you know, our value proposition, what a motto that we have that I firmly believe is absolutely true, and we say the road to wealth is paved with high tech. That's really our value proposition. You go, it, whether whether it's going back to the you know going back to the Gutenberg printing press or the light bulb or Henry Ford automating assembly, big waves have made investors a lot of money, and it's always been a major technological shift. And so tech usually leads the market, um, and we're seeing that's right now. So that and that is a free e-letter. It lives online. It's twice a week, and we share tips and strategies, and we'll give. We don't make a hard recommendation like buy this today and pay so much, but we give people a sense of, you know, this stock is really poised to, say, double or go up by 50% in the next year. And then we do things like we tell them uh, foundational plays that they ought to be making. So one of my big beliefs is that you can make a lot of money in technology investing, but it helps if you have a solid base to start with. Then you can really be opportunistic. The next level up... So so just make sure, the the website for that is strategictechinvestor.com, is that right? Thank you. Yes, yes, Jonathan. Strategictechinvestor.com. Yeah, it's Jordan, by the way. It's okay, Jordan. Uh-huh. What, did, what did I say? I'm sorry. Jonathan, Jordan. I'm Jordan. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jordan. Yeah, thank no you. Problem. How could I forget that? My daughter's name is Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I will think of me as your daughter. I don't know. So, okay. Okay. 
I, I, I have a guy I work with whose name is Jonathan. He just sent me an email a little while ago. It's probably on my mind, but uh, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that, Jordan. I won't, uh, I won't forget that again, because I just put tires on Jordan's car, so I'm, I'm familiar with how much he's costing me these days. Very good. Uh, uh, so, that's, right, so that's the first one. It's Chiefs. Yeah, uh, and second, okay. And the second one is called the Nova X Report. Uh, and, Jordan, that is one in which we it's, – it's a, it's a paid subscription. It's pretty low-priced, and that's going to be a monthly report where we'll make specific recommendations by this particular stock uh, at market, and then we'll tell them, you know, what kind of stop-loss they should have. Um, and so – and there we're looking at – we divide our um, – we're looking at – we follow seven major trends, and then we divide things down to the type of play that they should make, which would be – um, a foundational play, which we just talked about a moment ago, which might be an ETF or a large cap stock, say uh, Apple or something like that, to give you a firm foundation. Then we look at the next phase, which is strategic growth. Those would be smaller, you know, the upper end of small cap into the mid cap. So like an ideal stock would be a market cap of about a billion and a half dollars for strategic growth. And then we're looking for a little bit, you know, we're looking for outsized gains. And then the third category would be special situations, and those might be a play on exotic materials or might be a high-tech turnaround or something like that. Uh, it could be an, a novel investment opportunity such as Bitcoin or something like that. So that's how we do NovaX report. And what that means is NovaX means new uh, technology. Is that what that stands for, NovaX? Basically, yes. Good, good point, Jordan. Yeah, it, stand, it stands for new technology, and we're, we're looking for the new things that are you know, going to be disruptive, breakout, big growth, things that are changing the world. As we talked about earlier, we, uh, you know, the road to wealth is paved with high tech. So we're looking for things that are going to set up. We're looking for growth industries, uh, mobile wave, big data, cloud computing, and things like that. Okay. All right, so again, that would be NovaX.com for them to find out about that, right? Yes. And then the, and then the third one would be um, Radical Technology Profits. That is a trading service. Now, that's much more hands-on. Um, you get a, you get an update or a pick every week, and there we're looking at, at a very fast moving, a little bit more risk, um, um, small caps primarily is what we're looking at here. And we've been really we've been really fortunate. This has been a great market this year, the last year, last eighteen months, and we've had a number of stocks that we we take a lot of free, what I call free trades. Jordan, what that means is. Um, for the listeners who aren't familiar with that, when you get 100% gain on a stock, we typically will sell half of that stock. And that way we have recouped all of our original capital, and then we can use trailing stops to protect our profits after that. So we can afford to let it run. So you take a stock like Micron. We, uh, we recently, there was a play on a hybrid memory cube, which is really a smoking device. We took a free trade on that one, and we're letting the other half ride for a while. So we've got 100% gain on half of it, and then the other half is up roughly 100, 130% right now. Okay, so and again, that would, would be uh, RadicalTechnologyProfits.com to find that? Yes. Okay, and th- that is uh, controlled by Money Map Press, which has many different other publications as well. Is that right? That is true. We are a very fast-growing company. We have a, num- we have a number of... Um, we have something called the Money Map Report. We have Energy Advantage, in the, plus the, the uh, businesses that I talked to you about. So we have a number of operations. We have a, a, a metal service. Um, we have a, a couple of other, ba- you know, um, high uh, high frequent, a little bit more high frequency trading services as well. So it's tiered. Everything from free e letters like mine, Strategic Tech Investor, all the way up to a, to a, to a premium service for a little bit more aggressive investors who have a little bit higher net worth. 
Very good. All right, well, let's start it on some of the trends that you see. And one of the first trends you see in technology is sensors. And maybe just before we get to individual names, kind of describe what you mean by sensors and how they are changing uh, the world that consumers are seeing. What I, one of the things, Jordan, that's really great about the term sensor is it's really the, a, a, a very accurate description of exactly what these little devices do. Uh, we can talk a little bit about size and the miniaturization, miniaturization in a moment, but the big picture is a sensor is literally something that senses uh, a particular quality that's out there. So it could be pressure, tire pressure. It could be humidity, oxygen sensors in your car, uh, light, heat, gravitational pull, location, speed, tilt, and angle. Sensors are set to become completely ubiquitous, and there's a couple of things that have really been driving them to where you know the average consumer is becoming more and more aware of, of what sensors can do for them. So your, your, the smartphone today has, let's just call it 10, and it's, it's those sensors that allow your smartphone, your mobile phone, to be truly mobile in the sense that they have gyroscopes and accelerometers, and so when you turn your mobile device, whether that's a tablet or, or, a, or a mobile phone, you turn it sideways, it turns with you. You turn it back, it turns with you. Uh, you can tilt it, and, and the thing will still operate. Without those sensors in there, you wouldn't be able to tilt your, your, uh, your tablet, whether that's an, a Droid or an or a iOS device. You wouldn't be able to tilt it, put it on a stand, and look at it accurately. And so those, and those sensors are going throughout the global supply chain. Today's automobiles are super high-tech showcases. They are brimming with sensors. They've got anywhere from 30 to 50, depending upon the model. But that's going to go to 100. And what's driving that, Jordan, um, on the auto side is you've heard of these things called autonomous vehicles, basically self-driving that Google's been pushing. That technology is coming in stages. So right now you have several models that have some assisted parking and some crash avoidance that will take over so that you don't have a head-on or run into the wrong lane. Uh, if you want to park at a parallel park, you can, you can turn. It's hands-free parking. The car will back itself up for you and into the spot. You can't do any of those things, Jordan, without these little tiny sensors. And there are, some of these things are like a, a tenth to a twentieth the size of a postage stamp. Um, sensors will be ubiquitous, and they're going to change all of our lives because they're going to be part of wearable technology. You're going to have them in medical devices. You'll be able to swallow a sensor. And it'll so I assume that there's lots of companies making all these different kinds of sensors. What would be one of your favorite ways to invest in the whole sensor revolution? Well, I like a small-cap company that's a double play called TriQuint Semiconductor, TriQuint, uh, T-Q-N-T. I know it's a fascinating company because it also does radio frequency. Radio frequency is big for mobile, and so they, they, they do um, both. They have what's called MIM sensors. MIM sensors, Jordan, are the most advanced sensors available right now today because they can do multiple things at once, and they're very small and you're finding them again. Bad. It's MIMS that are in um, that are in mobile phones. You've also got Sensata Technologies. I'm sorry, I don't have their ticker symbol in front of me. And then you've got you know a number of of of, of larger companies, but they're not so much of a pure play as you would get say from from uh, Triquint. Um, and so, how has Triquint done as a stock so far? Um, well, it's up about 15%. If you give me one second, I can look it up. It's up about 15% in the last six 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 or eight weeks. Um, what happened was um, semiconductors, the sector came under pressure quite a bit here about two, three months ago, and then Triquent went down with that and has popped back, and as they said, in about six, uh, six to eight weeks, it's up about 15 to 18%. So it's doing pretty well. 
uh, investors are realizing that it's a, that it's a that it's a classic double play because it involves both those MIM sensors that I talked about as well as. Um, but but your sense is the stock is not that well known and that well uh, uh, covered at this point. Well, that's exactly right, Jordan. You know, the the thing with the sensor technology is that you you've got these companies that can do wonderful things, but if you get into a company like Philips or or a company like Cisco, which doesn't Cisco doesn't make. Uh, sensors, but they're going to be big users of sensors. In fact, in just a second, I'll tell you about uh, uh, what I'm talking about. Um, how sens- like IBM and Cisco are not pure plays on sensors, but their business model is business models are going to be affected heavily by sensors. Quick example: little privately held company that does parking sensors, and those are pro- they have and they have a little hub that has like seven or eight sensors inside. Cisco's going crazy to work with this company and employ them in parking spots, parking places. We're talking thousands of units at a time. So that you know, uh, you're driving down the city and you're looking for a pot, a place to park. It's going to pop up in your dashboard and tell you what's available. And Apple is buying thousands of these for its campus. Google's doing it. Cisco and IBM are investing in, the, in this technology. Those are long-term multiple plays, but they aren't what we would call pure plays. Cisco would be a play on a sensor-related technology called the, the Internet of Everything or the Internet of Things. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Michael Robinson. He's the chief technology strategist uh, for different newsletters. We mentioned Radical Technology Profits, uh, and he's also got one called a Tech Strategist. Um, we'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. 
Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Robinson. He's the chief technology strategist for Money Map Press. Uh, he has three newsletters there: Radical Technology Profits, a Strategic Tech Investor, and Nova X Report. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. We, we were talking about sensors. We, you, you mentioned TriQuint Semiconductor, but maybe uh, another player too uh, in the whole area of sensors. Well, yeah, Intel is involved in sensors. I just wanted to give the audience a sense that there are some big cap plays. Again, Intel is much more of a microprocessor company, but they do have some sensor technology enfolded in there, so that would be a double play. Again, another, another, another long, broad play in the big cap space, of course, would be General Electric. They're not a specialist in, but they use a lot of sensors, and they do produce some of their own sensors. And then you've, and then you've got you know, smaller companies. I think I mentioned Sensata Technologies earlier. And then another one would be Sigma Designs. They're a, more of a design firm in that space. So there are, there are a lot of opportunities emerging in the, in the whole sensor area. And I also wanted to give your, your, your listeners a sense of what we're talking about. When I say that sensors are going to be ubiquitous, Bosch, you know, that's the giant German manufacturing and electronics company, they're predicting the use of 7 trillion sensors. And when the world is built out in the next 10 to 20 years, 7 trillion sensors. And as one example, Jordan, is something called the uh, central nervous system for the Earth. And that's where HP and Shell are joining forces to put all these up. Uh, they're called MIMS. They're very advanced sensors, and they're, they can detect extremely minute amounts of motion. So they're going to put those out. They'll have like a million of them per site that they want to find for energy exploration. So you can find a lot more oil at a lot less money using sensor technology. So seven trillion is <laughs> seven trillion. That's a, that's a, a lot, lot of sensors. Of that's a bit, and it's coming. Watching every, really, every, I'm sorry. We'll really be watching what's going on very carefully. Know exactly what's <laughs> happening everywhere with that amount of sensors out there. That's a lot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, we, we, let's, let's not talk about the dark side of that right now today. But yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> and, uh, these are really reputable firms. This is not some fly-by-night organization trying to get, you know, uh, uh, using pay-per-click on the Internet. I mean, we're talking HP, Shell, Intel. We're talking, you know, Bosch. Um, they produce, they're one of the larger, they're not one of the larger producers of sensors in the world. So uh, these are pretty big numbers. In fact, out here in Silicon Valley, I, I know a guy who works at Fairchild Semiconductor. He's in charge of the MIM sensor program. He runs something called the Trillion Sensor Summit each year. A bunch of the industry heavies get together and talk about an industry that's eventually going to have 7 trillion of these 
uh, objects in use. But the minimum, everyone agrees in this industry, the minimum number of sensors we're going to see out there is a trillion. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, before we get into some of the other areas, there are two companies you really like that are kind of, as you call, foundational. Uh, one of them is Apple. Uh, I mean, Apple went way up, then it went way down. Now it's been coming back. What, what is your case uh, for Apple uh, now? Fantastic company. I think Tim Cook has been a very underrated uh, uh, CEO. They're still going to be a leader in the mobile wave, which is just, you know, it's, it's, it's an enormous, we can talk more about the broad industry there, but, you know, the iPhone, I, I went to the, the, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I went down to the local um, uh, Apple store here in Emory, near me in Emeryville, California. Place was packed. Everything's moving. Uh, the Christmas quarter is going to be huge for them. I mean, last year they had their iPhone sales increase in the quarter by 29% uh, in the Christmas quarter. Uh, iPads, uh, they're, they're a great design firm. Um, the whole iDevice thing, they've got a great ecosystem. They have an extremely loyal. They, they throw off a lot of cash. Um, they're doing share buybacks and dividends up to $100 billion. I, I've got the stock going at roughly 30% a year, and I think it's going to hit $1,000 in the next 30 months. So why has it been so underappreciated? And if you look at its valuation, it's, it's you know very low valuation compared to its pro- cash and its profits and its growth and so on. Classic overreaction. Jordan, that's, a, you know, that's an astute question because it's a, you know, this happens in this market. This is a great uptrending market, but it's also one that's, that's a bit nervous and, and news-driven news and choppy. Uh, the stock rolled over. When was, uh, if you look at a chart of Apple, it's a classic rollover. I mean, literally, it's like a, here's the top of the hill, and it rolls right over at around 700. Um, the growth looked to be slowing down a little bit. People were worried about a new CEO. Was he really on top of his game? It's a classic Wall Street overreaction. And I think this went down to, what, $375? I mean, you know, could you imagine buying it all day long at $375? Where are we now? Roughly $560? You haven't looked at the... I haven't looked at Apple this morning. I've got it going to to a thousand dollars. I'm sure it'll go at least to back to its uh, its old high of seven hundred and five dollars. But I've seen that a lot with tech leaders, where the market overreact. Uh, I'm sorry, overreacts to the smallest decline. Like if they miss guidance by a penny a share, they get slaughtered. And if they beat guidance by a penny a share, the stuff takes, the, the stock will take off fifteen percent in a day. But this is a classic overreaction. I think it's a good buying opportunity. I think it's a great thing to have for the long haul. Very high margins. I think Cook's going to turn out to be an excellent CEO. He's a little bit on the quiet side. He's not the kind of uh, – he doesn't get the, the crowd whipped into a frenzy the way – I mean, Steve Jobs just had to walk across the stage and the place went crazy. There's nobody who can replace Steve Jobs. But that yeah. doesn't mean that Tim Cook isn't a good hands-on manager, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't have a good vision for the company. And the other company you think is kind of foundational is Amazon, which seems to be getting into everything. Uh, what is your view on Amazon? I mean, they don't—they produce everything but profits, basically. So, what what is your view on Amazon? Well, I like Amazon, and and you know what, and that is something that we need to. That's an excellent point, Jordan. That is something that we do need to keep an eye on, which is profit margins. But here's here's where here's where the profit margins are going. These guys bring in little over $5 billion a year in operating cash and end up with about a billion and a half in free cash flow. And where's the difference? Last year, they bought Kiva Systems, which is a robotic firm, for $765 million. You know, you see pictures of, of, of the Amazon distribution centers. These robots are doing all kinds of things, you know. And so Bezos has been doing a lot of these kinds of infill, filling in the franchise, and, try, and, he, and they're great at upselling and cross-selling. Now, it is a classic growth company in that regard. Uh, it's not unusual to see fast-moving companies with a lot of growth that are 
spending money plowing their, what would be profits into the future of the growth. And he's got a lot of things going in this broad ecosystem with the way he distributes, the way that he sells and upsells and cross-sells. So, and, I, and I do believe that we're going to see margins improving in the near future because what's going to happen is he's going to hit that tipping point. Once they get that critical mass where the robotics have been integrated, this new service called Pantry, once it's integrated, I mean, they've got a device. I mean, you, you shouldn't underestimate, you shouldn't underestimate Bezos. The Kindle three years ago was a pretty crappy device, very limited functionality. It was extremely frustrating. My wife couldn't wait to get rid of it and get an iPad. Today, that Kindle HDX is not an iPad killer, but it's but it's really close to one. And do you think that they're going to have lots of Amazon drones flying flying around? Is that going to work? No, not <laughs> can't be done. Okay, I'm looking out my window right here. I have a bunch of tall eucalyptus trees and pine trees. I've got why you know I don't have. I mean, if, if America was simple, that everything was exactly uniform. Maybe we could do that, but how do you put a drone? How does a drone deliver? Maybe in a business park it could do it. It could have limited functionality, but how do you, how do you, deliver, how do you deliver something from Amazon's drone to a 50-story skyscraper in downtown Chicago or in New York? I don't, I don't see that happening. It might have limited functionality, but I, I, just, I don't think it's a particularly it's – it's a novel and brilliant idea, but it's one of those things where the logistics will probably kill it. Okay, very good. All right, let's go to some other areas of technology. Like one of them is uh, LEDs. This is uh, uh, diodes for uh, more efficient lighting. Is that a, a coming thing? And what would be some ways to play that? Cree would be the best play on that one right now. I mean, that 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 is a company that's in the midst of reorganizing around its LED business. Um, it had some problems earlier, about two or three years ago. It's been doing. It was doing a lot better. The stock slightly corrected here about. I'm doing this from memory, Jordan, about six months ago, and it's, it's, it's kind of bottomed out and heading back up. LEDs are, they are, it's phenomenal technology. I personally, I'm a, I told you, like, I got involved in technology when I was a kid. You know, I had a job part-time changing light bulbs, and then I got into building custom light boxes. So I follow what's happening with lighting technology. You go up, and, and so I can tell you all day long that they're so much more energy efficient, but if you were to go up and put your hands on a halogen bulb, you would be burned and have to go to the emergency room. You go up and touch an LED, you won't feel anything, nothing. I mean, it's, they, don't, they don't generate any heat. Some of these devices are, are, are guaranteed for 50,000 hours of use, which is like 2,000 days of nonstop, 24-7 uh, uh, use of lighting. I think this is important technology because we have an aging electric grid in the United States. If we could convert everything to LED tomorrow, that would take, I think the, the Department of Energy is talking about a 50% decline in the need of, in lighting, in, you know, electricity that goes to generate for lighting. That, so it uses less electricity and lasts a lot longer is basically the idea. Absolutely. The, the, the big challenge to LEDs has been the steep upfront cost, but as the run rate goes, you know, how, how it is with technology, whether that's semiconductors or, or, or cell phones, once you get the run rate up there and you start getting the economies of scale, the price comes down. I was looking yesterday at a four-pack, you know, at a four-pack replacement for my uh, Part 20 halogen bulbs in my in my living room. That's down to like seventy-five dollars for four bulbs. So you're still spending a little bit more than fifteen, fifteen, sixteen dollars for each one. But remember, you're not going to change. I, I mean, your kid could be born and ten year when on their tenth birthday, you're finally changing your LED light bulb. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got a lot of industrial uses as well, as well, right? For like street lights and that kind of thing. That's one of the other great things about it: street lights. Absolutely, when you start marrying street light sensors 
proximity and motion to LED. In fact, I just put all LED motion, and they have photovoltaic sensors in there for security around my around my house. So they're going to last forever. They're guaranteed to last 50,000 hours. So, yeah, you can do the same thing on street lights, and that can be good for you know crime fighting and things like that. Um, so there, there's a large application out there, and and what's really good about what's what Cree has done, and, and the pet specialists talk about is the the quality of light is really good. It's a very nice white light, compact fluorescence. It's it's not good light. Uh, women in particular hate using uh, compact fluorescence, but Cree has sort of solved two main problems uh, in this technology. One is the quality of light, and the other one is dimmability. They've got bulbs that'll give you good soft light, good light, and also they're dimmable. Very good. Right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Michael Robinson. He's the chief technology strategist at Radical Technology Profits, one of his newsletters published by Money Map Press. Uh, his other newsletters are Strategic Tech Investor and Nova X Report. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour, Michael Robinson, is Chief Technology Strategist at Money Map Press. Uh, they've got a newsletter called Radical Technology Profits. have got another newsletter called Nova X Report. And a free newsletter you can get at uh, Strategic Tech Investor. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you, Jordan. So we're going to go through some other areas of technology. Um, one of them is 3D printing. This is where you can print actual physical products in three dimensions. Uh, tell me how big is that going to get and what are some plays you like there? 
Well, it's going to be disruptive technology throughout the throughout the um, throughout the global supply chain. I, you're going to have it at every shop in the United States in the next ten to twenty years. I mean, every big manufacturer is trying is using it in some way. Um, it's it's difficult to give the full the full financial impact because the industry itself is considered about two billion is about two billion dollars. But I think it could end up with about ten percent of the global supply chain. Uh, so that that puts it more more like a trillion dollar. I look at this as like little factories, little desktop factories. And so 3D printing is to the physical world today throughout multiple industries what the dawn of, uh, of desktop publishing was in the 80s and how that transformed the media, it, you know, created a whole new ecosystem for new publications and new media and stuff like that. But here you've got it where you can do something like um, there's a woman in, in Germany in her 80s who got a artificial jaw implanted in her that was printed on a 3D printer. It was done with titanium powders. So let's look at, if you think of like an inkjet printer, how it throws ink on a piece of paper, it, it's, it's like that in the sense that you're, you're create, it, it's called additive. So what you do is you take these special powders and it follows the blueprint that's been fed into the computer and the computer communicates with the printer and then it lays on successive layers of these special polymers or metals that are held together with a binding agent. But you can do everything from artificial jaws to guitars to car parts and pillar blades for aircraft, wing sections. So it, it is really diverse in its application. Really, the sky's the limit of what you can do with it. And who would be your favorite companies to profit from this trend? There really isn't anyone I don't like. I really do particularly enjoy 3D Systems Corp. And uh, for a number of reasons, first of all, Chuck Hull, Chuck Hull, I'm sorry, H-U-L-L, was the founder of that company. He's just passed away in the last year, 18 months. Started this back with the original file that you need to communicate with the with the computer and the printer. That's called the .ftl file. That that technology is still in use today and is critical. So 3D Systems have been around since the dawn of the industry, and they've been able to keep abreast of every single technological shift. And they're a great integrator. They've been out buying other companies. Uh, I know a, a lot of people worry about dilution and so forth, but they've been very, really good at integrating these, these acquisitions. Um, one of the things they've been able to do is bring 3D printing to the masses, and that is they have something called the Cube, which is around $1,200, $1,300. It's an entry-level printer. And it's not just for people at home who want to make goo Small businesses need this. And this technology, Jordan, is really just on the verge of becoming a mainstream thing. Right here, where I live in Oakland, California. I live in an area called um, Montclair. A little store opened up down there right in the main drag called Honeybee 3D. I went down there on a Saturday night about 8 o'clock. The place was packed with people who were taking classes on it. A lot of business people want to use this, this technology to do things on their own, you know, like spare parts or something like that, or, or new designs and so forth, new creations. So it's really on the verge of becoming you know, a, a mainstream industry that you know, mainstream America uses. Will this cause a lot of unemployment in manufacturing? I mean, people don't need to manufacture things in factories. They can, in effect, manufacture it in their own locale. Will that cause a lot of, you're talking about disruption, that could be a major disruptor, it seems. I think it's going to add to employment because I think you're going to have lots of guys who can get together and try new things. I think you can keep things in-house. I think that there's more of a reason to do things in-house than there is necessarily ship jobs overseas to China. You can do it locally here. Um, you can look at little specialized teams that are going to be distributed around the world who can do aspects of it. So I don't think it will lead to unemployment. If anything, it'll, it'll be a, a net positive. 
Okay, another area is uh, the whole biotech area. Biotech stocks have been very hot uh, lately. Uh, what are some of the, the major trends in biotech, and what would be some of your ways to play that? Well, biotech is across the board. I mean, it's, you've got everything from uh, you know um, autoimmune disease to cancers to Alzheimer's, HIV, um, infectious diseases, vaccines. There's all kinds of things that are going on with that area. You know, this is roughly a ninety. Let's call it a hundred billion dollar a year industry. It's pretty big. It's growing at about 11% a year. So we're talking about this is, a, this is an industry that has a pretty broad impact. And what's been going on is you've got a lot of companies that have been distributed around the world but really heavily centered in the United States breaking through barriers constantly. You've got a lot of these drugs that are coming to market now that have gone through the FDA approval process here in this country but also have been, you know, been doing well overseas. And so we're talking about it, it, biotech is one of those things that you know, we're, talk, we're all living longer. I mean, Americans are getting much older, and one of the things that's helping us live longer and be healthier is the biotech industry because you have these compounds that can be biocompatible. Uh, there's a, there's a, a small-cap company that I like called uh, Anika, and they do, think, they do something called hyaluronic acid, and that's, that's a, these compounds are based on this biocompatible acid, and it's really great for like people who have knees, who have knee problems, I should say, because we all got knees, right, but knee yes. problems. Um, and that, talk about a technology that's great for, a, for an aging, you know, a, the aging baby boomers. Or I, where I go to my club, uh, there's just a bunch of guys in their 50s and 60s. They're just all beat up complaining about their knees. So there's a, there's a big market for that. So mother, I, like, I like Alexian Pharmaceuticals. That's, uh, that symbol is ALXN. And they're, they're, they are focused on you know, really ultra-rare diseases. And so those are ones where, you know, there's not a lot of, it's not a broad market, but the markup is really good. And this is a company that has a market cap of $24 billion, and they have a 24% profit margin. So this is a company that's got some really great financials. Uh, Regeneron uh, Pharmaceuticals, this is a company, they, they have, their main product um, helps fight um, macular, age-related macular degeneration that leads to the blindness in old people. So again, the right technology for an aging, advanced economy. Mm-hmm. This is a company that's a twenty-six billion dollar market cap, but they've got a. Check this out, Jordan. It's a forty-two percent profit margin and an eighty-seven percent return on equity. Wow, <laughs> so that's what, pretty amazing. Yeah, what's, not, what's not to like about that? What's not to like about that company? Um, one last Indeed. point I would, I, I'd like to mention, if you don't mind, because this is an area that. You know, uh, HIV is, is, is something that we need to combat, obviously, just for here and now, but because we don't know what new disease is out there. So this is technology that's transferable. Gilead, Sci- Gilead Sciences, uh, they're a company. Uh, they have uh, compounds that fight HIV, but they also work on liver, heart, and respiratory diseases. This is a big company. It's got a market cap of $109 billion. But, again, some really great profit margins of 29%. These guys generate $2.6 billion in free cash flow last year. So that's, that's a company with some really terrific fundamentals. Great. Also in the medical area, uh, there's robotic surgery uh, where you can do uh, robotic even remotely. Is that a, a field you think is growing too? Absolutely. I, I think it's a growth field for, uh, indefinitely to the future because, you know, we're getting into the area of extremely complex, hours-long surgeries and surgeons just get tired. They just, it's, it's stressful, 
and they get worn out, and the, and the robot can come in and take over. Also helps with uh, you know um, um, a cleaner a cleaner. You don't have to worry as much with the robots in terms of like you know, you know biotic bacterial infections and so forth. But they really help fight the doctor fatigue because you, I've read of some of these operations that have that like take eight to ten hours. I don't know about you, Jordan, but I'm not sure I could do that kind of fine motor skills with that sort of intense concentration or that kind of stress for ten hours straight. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what a, a robot. Just keep it plugged in and lubed, and it runs. That's great. Uh, another big area that you, you are big on is cloud computing. There's lots of different ways of playing it. Maybe, basically, just maybe describe what cloud computing is like and how that's going to be transformative. Well, you know, it, it, it does several things at once. Let's just define the cloud. This is something I've been involved with since really no one else was talking about this in the mid-'90s, and it, it came up here in, in Oakland because we had a, a telecommunications business incubator, and, and we were talking about the cloud in 1995 and 1996. The cloud is just a catch-all phrase for the Internet, but it's really more specialized in the sense that what you have are off-site data centers. They're hosted by third parties, so companies will run data centers for other firms. And that's important for a couple of different reasons. Number, number one is your IT infrastructure spending goes way down. If you, if you can migrate to the cloud, you don't have to have your own server farm. That means you don't have to buy all these servers. You don't have as, have as many IT people on hand. And cooling a data farm is very expensive for individual companies. You can't have these things run hot. You can't have them in a hot room, so you have them in a specialized location. So you just get rid of all of that. And also when you've got all these mobile people walk, coming in, how do you plug them in? How do you change your data center? So it solves that problem. And it also they're, they're, the, at, at these um, cloud vendors are hosting data and applications so you can just get seat licenses and just and so basically rent the software rather than try to buy packages and run the thing. It just it just really enhances productivity. So it's a great solution for a mobile society. So what would be one of your uh, two of your one or two of your uh, plays benefiting from uh, cloud computing? I think you've got. To, I, I look at it in a couple of different ways. I, I would sort of uh, look at it big, big little, you know, big, medium, and small. In, in the cloud, we talked about Amazon earlier. Amazon has enormous market share. They have like five times the market share of the next of the next largest firm because they have all those Bezos upsold everybody with it's called Amazon Web Services, and so those are called public clouds. And they just took all these data centers that they already had and said, "Well, we've got excess capacity. We're not using it all the time. Let's sell it." So that's a big. Google is another one that has a pretty a pretty robust um, in in the big cap space. In, in something that's a little bit in a medium medium range, it would be Red Hat, Red Hat, and that is um, it's got a symbol A R U N, and that is a leader in open source software that you you grab it through the cloud, you manage it through the cloud. They are a market cap of about nine billion dollars. It's got operating efficiencies of fifteen uh, percent and eight hundred and forty three million dollars in cash and no debt. And then, and then a small cap one that would be, uh, it's a little bit more of a riskier venture, but that would be Brightcove, and they're using the cloud to uh, help people, help companies publish, manage, and distribute video. And that's a company that has roughly a three, uh, $381 million market cap. They've been growing at, this is, uh, they have negative margins on the financial, so if you're a big fundamentalist, if you really, if you're a, if you're somebody who, who read in the Intelligent Investor and that's the way you go, you're not going to like this firm because the margins are terrible, but they're growing at 40% a year. I see. That's terrific. Very good. Right, we're going to take a break and get back to more different kinds of technologies with Michael Robinson. 
He's the Chief Technology Strategist at Radical Technology Profits, published by Money Map Press. He also puts out a newsletter called Strategic Tech Investor and another one called Nova X Report. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Michael Robinson, Chief Technology Strategist uh, for Money Map Press, where they publish Radical Technology Profits, Strategic Tech Investor, uh, and a company, a, a newsletter called Nova X Report. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you so much, Jordan. So one of the big areas people talk about a lot these days is big data. Uh, all this data is being collected, but now they're learning to analyze it for uh, all kinds of purposes. Maybe just describe that trend a little bit, and again, some ways to uh, invest uh, on the big data revolution. Um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, big data is all around us. And uh, uh, let's, let's look at it, at it as a visual way, if we could, first, and then we could talk about what it, it exactly is. If you imagine you're driving down the highway and out in the country and you see these silos out by farms, you see one or two. But imagine if you're driving down the road and you saw, you know, thousands of them next to each other, but they're all, each one is by itself. Big data is all of those silos are full of data, tons and tons of data, but you can't go from one silo to the next. There's no bridge. There's no ladder. There's no, there's no train that runs you through there. Big data basically is taking all of those giant silos that are out there in that farmland. They're all next to each other, and it's interconnecting them with cables and wires and trolley cars so that you can communicate and get all kinds of information. What's going on right now is there's so many breakthroughs happening in so many areas of technology, but each one of these things is creating an enormous amount of data. And that data is mostly raw and unstructured. So that means it hasn't even been put into the silo yet. 
So big data wants to put it in the silos and have all of these silos communicate with each other. And here's a statistic that's very important when we talk about big data. 90% of the data that we have in the world today was just created in the last two to three years. So what would be a practical application of analyzing this big data that consumers might see or that might benefit a company? Well, you can improve traffic flow. I mean, you're going to have smart cars. We talked about sensors and semiconductors in cars, but you're going to have a local area network. Uh, there's a startup out here in the San Francisco area called Waze, and they track roadblocks, traffic jams, accidents, road conditions, speed traps, and more. And uh, then you've got people using big data to update uh, 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 GPS maps all over the world. They can do it in mon- multiple countries at once. Uh, f- crime fighting for big data. You've got people who can, who can you crunch data to find criminals. They've been able to do those kinds of applications. Um, so, yeah, you can do things like much better storm warnings. Um, we don't worry about storm warnings so much out here where I'm in California. And there's no such thing as an earthquake warning right now. Big data may be able to give us those earthquake warnings once we're able to employ sensors. But you talk about you know tracking hurricanes better, tornadoes. Tornadoes are extremely complex events, and we really don't have great technology yet to give people a sense of where this. So big data could go through and look at all of the all of the massive amounts of readings that we have and crunch all that information, make sense of it, and try to give us better warnings so we can save lives. What would be one or two investments that you would like uh, to take advantage of this trend in big data? Well, I think, you know, again, it depends on how you structure your portfolio. If you're, if you're a much more of a slow and steady, you're looking at a big cap company. IBM has got to be on the list. That is a big data company. Uh, also, they've got, you know, they've got Watson, which is a super intelligent computer, and it's able to, I mean, that's probably one of the great examples. I mean, it beat human beings on the, on the game show Jeopardy. That's an enormous amount of data that it's able to crunch through and use in, as artificial intelligence. So there's that play. And, and I think IBM's got some upside left. Again, it's more of a, of a what we would call foundational play. Smaller companies, um, Cray was a company that was really focused on supercomputers. They're now in this area that's called high-performance computing, and, and they've actually stolen some, some of the uh, better contracts away from other big companies in the world. They have some of the fastest machines out there that can crunch through massive amounts of data at, at pretty cost-effective, low low energy. You know, energy is part of the problem with, with running these big computers, not just speed. And then another one, would, and, and, and so Cray, uh, they've been around a long time. Um, they're really catching on now these days with uh, what's called high-performance computing. And another one would be Silicon Graphics International. Um, I don't SGI is what they go by as a, as a ticker symbol. You guys probably would know about them as they, they did the dinosaurs and all of the, a lot of the special effects of Jurassic Park. And mm-hmm. that's, a re, that's a restart. That was an acquisition about three, three or four years ago, and it's a restart. And they've been doing a lot of things with it. They've got some, some, some um, gear that's optimized for very fast computing. Very good. Another area is uh, fracking. You're seeing the kind of shale oil revolution where we're finding oil, able to get to it in ways we were in the past using fracking. What, what are some ways to play the fracking re- revolution? U.S. silica would be one because you, you can't have – I wouldn't say you can't have fracking without sand, but you really do need sand. I mean, it's, it's, it's used in there because it's, it, it's pumped into the side there. Now that you've got the hydraulic drilling, that which really made fracking possible – so U.S. Silica is set up for that. They ship more sand out there than anybody else. They're set up to ship sand all over the United States because a big part of fracking is the logistics of getting all of the materials you need to and from the spot. 
you know, fracking could be just enormous for our energy independence. And um, um, I know it's been controversial. I personally think it's fat. I just think it's fascinating technology. And then the final area is kind of a big one, but we touched on a little bit with Apple. But the whole mobile revolution, in addition to Apple, what would be some other ways to play uh, the mobility we have with smartphones and uh, tablets and so on these days? Yeah, I'll, let me let me just just to give the listeners a sense of it. You know, mobile. When we talk about the mobile wave and the mobile revolution. I mean, it, you can't underestimate understate how important this is. Mobile is outselling. PCs. I mean, PCs. With I remember the personal computer shift. When I mean, that was a massive technological shift. PCs today are lagging greatly. Mobile is outselling it by five by five to one, and it's growing. Mobile devices, tablets, and so forth, uh, uh, smartphones are growing twenty to twenty five, thirty percent a year. PCs are have a compound growth rate that's negative. They're going down eight to ten percent a year. Um, we talked about Apple. Uh, oh, no, a couple more data points. Just you know, Android devices. Google says it's activating 1.5 million Droid devices a day. So they wow. told, yeah, yeah, and they kind of, you know, first it was the iPhone in 2007, turned the world on its ear. Google played catch up, and now they're the dominant player because they've had, let's just call it for lack of a better term, open source. But the, but the Droid software was available to everybody. Apple is a closed system. I think if you're going to look at if you're going to look at smaller plays, I mean, there's obviously Apple and Google is are big cap plays in mobile, a big part of what they're doing because because Google bought Motorola Mobility, so it has a handset maker folded into the company. Apple obviously has is the dominant uh, designer in terms of just it, they have the iconic devices. If you want to look at another firm that's a broad ecosystem play and a company with a lot with really high margins is Arm Holdings. They're out of UK. A R MH Jordan is the symbol, and this is a sweet business to be in because you design. These guys design. They are a fabulous semiconductor company, so they don't have to invest in all the dyes and the jigs and the fixtures. I mean, Intel spends you know ten billion, twelve billion dollars a year on research and development alone. A factory can cost them multiples of a billion. ARM takes all that out, and they just do the design, which helps set the standards for that. So that is a really good play. And they throw off a ton of cash. Another company that I would be looking at in terms of mobile commerce is, is, is really going to be one of the hotter areas. Um, once people get that we're just now at the tipping point where everybody's starting to do more and more mobile commerce. I, I buy stuff on Amazon on my tablet fairly regularly. My kids today, they use their, they use their, they buy stuff on using the smartphone. So mobile commerce is going to be good. And a big part of mobile commerce is location services and NXP semiconductors, the symbol is NXPI, they're a real leader in doing the semiconductor processing that, allow, that helps enable location services. So you've got two big cap plays, kind of no-brainers uh, for a more conservative approach, which would be Apple, which I still think has a lot of growth, Google, which I also think has a lot of growth, but then you've got the smaller firms, NXP, semiconductors, and you've also got Arm Holdings. Well, this is terrific. So we're just about at the end, so why don't you give us an overall view of the whole technology field and why people should want to invest in it with all the technologies we've talked about this hour. Jordan, we've never seen, I've been around this, as I said in your introduction, around 35 years. We've never had a period in human history where we have so many areas of technology so closely interrelated. Big data, okay, mobile drives big data. Mobile drives cloud computing. Um, 
big data drives cloud computing, cloud computing. Then, So they're all interrelated. You've got big data being used in biotech to help crunch through lots and lots of mathematical formulas, to find, uh, scientific formulas to find new molecules. The Internet of Everything is going to need mobile. It's going to use big, it's going to employ big data, and it's going to be a big driver of the cloud. And the Internet of Everything needs sensors. Sensors are integral to wearable technology. Wearable technology is going to be part of Let's call it healthcare rather than biotech. When I say biotech, I mean slash healthcare. And you've got one area we haven't had time to talk on, I'll just mention briefly, is what I call miracle materials, where you've got like rare earth and, and you've got all kinds of new sophisticated polymers and lithium ion batteries and so forth. And again, mobile needs the miracle materials and the mobile drives big data in the cloud. So these are these are a cluster of these. It's a it's it's a really tightly knit group of technologies that seemingly are by on their own, but they're really kind of all interrelated. And this is really unique in human history. Terrific. Thanks so much. Well, it's really fascinating. We've got some great ideas there. My guest this hour has been Michael Robinson. Uh, he's the chief technology strategist at Money Map Press. He has three newsletters, Radical Technology Profits, Strategic Tech Investor, and Nova X Report. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Michael. Thank you, Jordan. It was great. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 